Please pray with me. Lord God, thank you for the gift of this day. We pray that your spirit would fall powerfully upon us today as we seek to worship you. We pray that you would soften our heart and hearts, Lord, that you would open our ears that we might hear and receive you, and that your grace, Lord, would work powerfully among us. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of this day. Help us to invest it wisely for you. And we pray that you would pour out your word upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Morning! It's so good to see you all today. Well, I was uh, looking the other day on Google for how to live life to the fullest. And you know what? There are some resources out there. In case you've been wondering, right? I found one. It is entitled, How to Live Life to the Fullest, colon, 47 Steps with Pictures. (laughs) Only 47 steps. You, too, could have life to the fullest, right? Uh, Then another one, actually many other ones, that said 30 ways to live life to the fullest. I guess either they're like more efficient than the 47-way person, or they're cut rate, right? And they're like shirking you a few of them, about 17. Uh, You might want to cross-reference those two sources. If you're looking for, you know, kind of your standard um, one you're going to live according to, right? Now, these resources and their existence show us that apparently the way to live life to the fullest is not known to everybody, right? Because I did not find any resources like how to breathe or how to make your heart beat. You know, obviously we know CPR, but like the basic heart beating thing, like anyone read up on that recently, how to do that? No, it all just kind of happens, right? Naturally. Uh, Those things that we do naturally, they're not resources for because why would you need to know? I mean, you just naturally do that stuff. But apparently living life to the fullest, that's something that people are not quite sure of, although they want to know how to do it. They really want to know. We want to know, don't we? We want to know how do we live life to the fullest. You know, and since it's not common knowledge, there's some conflicting reports out there about what life to the fullest looks like. Right? It's either lounging at a beach with a cold refreshment in your hand under a grass palapa. That's like one version of it, right? Or it has something to do with like video cameras strapped to helmets and doing feats of daring and strength, right? There's kind of these, these um, opposite ends of the spectrum of what living life to the fullest looks like. And whatever the version of it is, or perhaps some crazy hybrid of like on the beach with, under a palapa with a helmet on... Um, <laughs> You know, we, we believe that living life to the fullest is a principle that we hold as a truth in our world. And particularly, as we move down the road as a culture to the pursuit of pleasure as one of our highest aims in life, the idea of living life to the fullest will gain more importance and strength. Our gospel passage for today comes sandwiched between the healing of a man born blind and a continued discussion of Jesus as the Good Shepherd and his statements that he and the Father are one. These are both massively significant events that give us an understanding of who Jesus Christ is and what he is capable of. And right between these comes our reading for today, which speaks about Jesus' relationship with us. The passage is a familiar one, which uses the image of a sheepfold to convey a rich message. Now, you all know what a sheepfold is, right? It's like origami. You take a sheep and you fold the sheep in half, 
right? And, and you do it enough times. No, come on, what's a sheepfold? It's a, yeah, it's a gate. It's like a fenced off area, like a, fin, a sheep pen or something. It's a fenced off area where you can keep your sheep safe, right? Because um, I saw this old Gary Larson cartoon the other day from my old files, and it was one that said, it's a well-known fact that the sheep that steel wool comes from have no known predators, <laughs> right? You know, and it's got these rough sheep with like an eye patch and stuff. I love it. It's a classic. Oh, man. But other sheep are not that way, right? They're just like furry, tasty treats for wolves and things like that, right? So they do have predators, and so they need the sheepfold. And sheepfolds can look in look like very different things, right? Some can are just fenced-in areas. Others have a wall around them. And in the Middle East, some of them are actually just caves, right? They stick the sheep all in a cave at night. And then they have like a fenced wall or entrance at the mouth of the cave so the sheep are safe. Actually, on our pilgrimage to Israel, uh, we saw one of the places where the shepherds were keeping their sheep at night when the message of the birth of Christ was brought to them. And it was a cave, right? And I know why they chose that cave, right? There's disputed evidence about which cave it was or which place it was. But I know why they chose this, this one we went to. And it was because it had interior lighting. <laughs> you know, because back then they didn't have, like, iPads, so they only had the first-generation Kindle. And you needed, like, ambient light to read the thing. And so they would have definitely chosen that for bedtime stories. Actually, I think the lights might have been added later, but... Um, it gave it like, but it was this safe, secure place inside these caves, a big open space where you could put sheep and they would be safe if you blocked off the entrance. Our passage begins with a warning, right? The warning is that while there is a sheepfold, there are thieves and bandits who try to steal and hurt the sheep. And these thieves, thieves will come in by other means, not by the gate. They'll like climb over the fence or they'll try and find a way in to get around that gate so that they can steal and destroy the sheep. But Jesus describes himself as the gate, the one who allows entry to the sheep and protects them, and the one whom if they come through, they will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. And our passage ends with a promise. Jesus says, I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. What in the world is Jesus speaking about when he says that the sheep will have abundant life? I mean, what's abundant life for a sheep? Grass, water, no wolves, right? You got it good then if you're a sheep, right? In this illustration, Jesus describes himself as the gate that the sheep used to enter the secure fold and go out to good pastures. And in this line, he expresses who the sheep are. He says, whoever enters by me will be saved. Those sheep that are in the fold are those who have put their trust in Jesus Christ. And when they do this, they can come in and go out and find pasture and they will be safe. And he says that his mission is that they might have life and have it abundantly. The abundant life that he promises seems to have nothing to do with beaches and drinks with umbrellas, with helmet cameras, or with energy drinks. Instead, it has to do with being a person who has entered the fold of Christ. 
Abundant life, therefore, is not a thing to be purchased, but a thing to be received. And the living out of abundant life is an operation that is done in relationship with the one who has promised that abundant life to us. Now, many people take abundant life to mean health and wealth. Right? And don't get me wrong, those things are not bad at all, right? But if you're living abundantly, does it necessarily mean you get everything you want? Right? Is abundant life that Jesus promises just that, you know, whenever you need a new yacht, you get it? I certainly don't hope so, or I certainly don't think so, because I haven't gotten the new yacht, right? So that's not working out. So abundant life seems to be more than just health and wealth. And that definition of just health and wealth as abundant life doesn't really pass the sniff test, does it? I mean, if you can look at the New Testament and kind of see no one who fits that example of getting health and wealth all the time, you know it's probably not accurate that health and wealth is what Jesus is promising here. For instance, the Apostle Paul, do you think he lived abundantly? Yeah, I think he lived abundantly. He lived in faith. He followed Jesus. He gave his life to God in his service. He seemed to know the secret of all things, which was being content no matter what his circumstances were. But his life was marked with difficulty and challenge. Certainly not the health and wealth that some people interpret that to mean. And St. Stephen, we just sang his song a little earlier, right? The first martyr of the church. Did he live abundantly? Well, it certainly seems like it. He seemed to have a deep and profound relationship with God. God was doing epic things in his life and through him. And yet, he was stoned to death by an angry mob. Certainly not exactly the end that most of us want to meet, is it? You don't hear that many people in their prayer say, And Lord, please, in addition to health and wealth, I would like to get stoned by an angry mob. No, that's ridiculous, right? And this guy, Jesus, right, what was the end of his life like? Health and wealth? No, suffering, man acquainted with sorrows, abandoned by his friends, beaten, scourged, a cross placed upon his shoulder as he carried it up a hill, and then he himself was placed upon that cross. Certainly not the health and wealth message. So there's got to be more to it than just health and wealth. Abundant life has to mean more than just, I get what I want and I'm healthy. Abundant life is life with God. And when we invest our lives in him, he does powerful things in our lives. He changes us. He changes our perspective. He changes what gives us pleasure. And he fills us with an abiding joy that cannot be taken from us. Anyone ever seem a healthy person who's unhappy? Yeah? Arnold Schwarzenegger, maybe, come to mind, right? A couple years ago, he was probably pretty unhappy, right, when everything was coming out on the news about his life. Or a wealthy person. Anyone ever seen one of those unhappy? Yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah, there you go again. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, or the Donald, right? You know, there are people out there who have money that's beyond what we can ever comprehend, and yet I don't think it gives them happiness. It doesn't give them abundant life. There's more to it than those simple things of health and wealth. Because when we walk as his disciples, he makes springs rise up in the wilderness for us. 
He makes times of challenge to be times of rejoicing. He makes even the act of giving up our lives for him to be a joy. You can see this in the history of the martyrs, how even as the sword was falling towards their neck, those people praised God and thanked him for the gift of being able to serve him in their lives. That is abundant living. That doesn't sell well, though, does it? Right? Because it doesn't feed that part of us that wants more, that craves more. But it is something that cannot be taken from us. So when, challenge, when we face challenge in our life, the hope of Christ is stronger. When we face difficulty or disease, the gift of God is deeper and richer than that. And it cannot be taken from us. And we can have hope even in the midst of challenge. Abundant living is living in the grace and mercy of the God who sacrificed his own life so that we could be reconciled to God the Father. When we are at peace, reconciled to God, we are living abundantly. We are living under his grace and blessing and mercy. And joy which cannot be capped is filling up inside of us. And that is abundant life. And since his mercy and his grace and his life are abundant, let us live with joy, knowing that we can never reach their limit. We can never exhaust those resources. May we receive the gift of God. May we enter through the gate of Jesus Christ. And may we live abundantly, praising him in this world, thanking him for all he has blessed us with, and rejoicing at the hope he has planted inside our hearts. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that your abundant living, Lord, defies any kind of category that we can place it into. Thank you, Lord God, that it is not measurable, that it is not something we can set up a chart or a 47-step process to fulfill, Lord, but that abundant life in you takes only one step, Lord, and that is turning ourselves over to you. Help us, Lord God, to entrust our lives to you. Help us, Lord God, to receive your grace. Lord, we confess to you that we are broken people in need of a Savior. Lord, we pray that you would do your great work of redemption in us. Lord, and that you would set our hearts free to praise you and worship you. And that you would help us to live abundantly, Lord. When we look at this world, may we see it not as a world just filled with challenge and danger, but a world where the hope of Christ is spreading out, Lord. May we trust you, that you are with us every step of the way. Thank you, Lord, for your love and your mercy and the hope you have given us in Christ. And we pray this in his name. Amen.